there, rugby fans. So it's Jeremy Springall back once again with the rugby podcast, Views from the Lineouts. Um, well, it's really hot enough, isn't it? You know, Test Week is now here for the Lions versus the All Blacks. And first test in Eden Park. So there's a hell of a lot to talk about with that, especially with um, the previous games that I haven't talked about before. So the New Zealand Maori game and the Chiefs game as well. Then uh, there'll also be a bit of a nod to the second test of England versus Argentina in Santa Fe. And um, yeah, so that's going to really form the bulk of this is like my opinion on the team, how I think it's going to go, where the key battles are. Um, and before we really get into that, so this is going to be, I think episode nine now of the podcast. I hope you're really enjoying it. If you are, then, uh, encourage other people to subscribe and listen to it. Um, you can follow me on social media. So that's Twitter at Jeremy Springall. So that's J E R E M Y S P R I N G A L L. Then on facebook.com slash views from the lineouts. Um, this is also going out on iTunes and SoundCloud and TuneIn Radio. I'm going to try and get it on ACAST soon as well. Um, but yeah, so I hope you're enjoying it. Feedback, comment, subscribe, all of that kind of stuff would be brilliant. And um, let's get into it, shall we? So really the first thing we're going to talk about is going to be the British and Irish Lions versus, well, really just on their tours in New Zealand. And... Um, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about this, as you can imagine, as an enormous rugby fan. And the more I think about it, the more I'm impressed that they're actually like winning any game whatsoever. Because we've got to remember, this is a scratch side coming up against some teams, especially the Super 15 sides, who are like halfway through their season. And so it's just incredible to think that, yes, there's a lot of quality in the Lions team. But they've got to learn how to play with each other. They've got to like, there's a lot of idiosyncrasies kind of involved with it, especially around running lines, how players interact in different situations and stuff like that. So it's not too surprising that they've lost a couple of games, if I'm honest with you. Um, but what we have seen throughout the tour is an improvement, a vast improvement from the first couple of games where they really didn't get a game plan settled. It wasn't immediately obvious and clear. And very few players in those first couple of games really like threw their hands up and said, you need to pick me. Like, there's no option. I'm the only guy for you. Really, the ones who did were Ben Teo and actually Owen Farrell. And you can see, like, the importance of those two within the side. Um, and it looks like the Lions game plan is really developing into this, like, rush defense from Andy Farrell. And it's almost like a rugby league defense where they want to, like, take the space away from you, not be passive, make a dominant hit. And also just a gigantic forward pack, like a big forward pack effort to dominate the set pieces. So the restarts, such as the scrum and the line out, and then a brilliant kicking game uh, from the scrum half and fly half to really pin the All Blacks and their sides back in territory and uh, basically just squeeze the life out of them before capitalizing on a mistake or generating them some themselves. And really this was definitely epitomized in the, uh, Maori, the Maori All Blacks game where the Lions won 32-10 and the Maori, they're like, they're backline. My God, is it filled with some talent. You just got to look at the names. Tawera Kirbalo, Damian McKenzie, Reiko Ioni, Charlie Ngatai, Matt Proctor, Nehase Miller-Scudder and James Lowe. And a lot of those guys are like full like caps and all blacks. And some of them, especially people like Damian McKenzie, have been talked about in very, very glowing terms. And when you think about it, their only try from Liam Messam really just came from a mistake from uh, George North. 
who kind of went down in the wet a bit, fumbled it backwards, got in a, a mix-up with Lee Halfpenny. They didn't really create anything. It was like, people, I read a few things of like, oh, the vision of Milner Scudder's kick. No, it was lucky. It, it was, to be honest, you see kicks like that all the time in the Aviva Premiership in the Northern Hemisphere, and we lament it as like, oh, what a waste of like ball position, like territory, everything. And it was only like resulting in a try because of a, a player error. Um, so they really did up front squeeze the life out of that Maori pack and put the pressure on. And it really backs up what they did against some other teams earlier in the tour as well. So like the Crusaders, which was almost the New Zealand All Black starting 15. They really almost put them to the sword apart from one scrum. And, um, you know... We'll have to see how it kind of goes. But that, you know, some players from that tour, so Connor Murray from the New Zealand Maori game, unbelievable kicking game again. Everything was contestable. Anthony Watson was getting up there to compete. Halfpenny looked really good as well. Like Ty Furlong was making some amazing pass plays with Johnny Sexton in the midfield, like wraparound pass plays, which is really um, not to be expected from a prop. So it was great involvements. But really, the stars of that side were the back row: Peter Mahoney, Sean O'Brien, and Te Lupe Falatau. As a back, as a back row, you've kind of got the ball carrying ability of Sean O'Brien, who's destructive as a ball carrier. Then you've got the the kind of link play of Te Lupe Falatau. I guess he kind of can sit in between as either a carrier, a like first receiver. He can make the plays. He can pass. He can track back. He's he's very much a kind of glue player where he binds like f sections of the game together and different workflows and things like that and then you've got the of what is probably the most old school kind of style player that you can imagine and Peter O'Mahony who just has a bit of dog about him is gritty very Martin Johnson-esque in his approach to the game doesn't say a lot but when he does you stand up and listen to what he's got to say but we'll be in the trenches with you and just we'll like slug it out with anybody that you need to um so as a back th as a back row three i think they work exceedingly well and omani's line out work as well was exceptional in that game you know so they had cruz and itoje going up in the line out but having two line out jumpers isn't normally enough so having a third option in omani was just absolutely brilliant and you can see based on what he did in the six nations that um in that final game against england seeing that line out to take the momentum away from england was just absolutely essential to their victory in preventing the uh, English Grand Slam in that. So it was quite impressive. And, you know, I think after this game, so this was the Saturday team, as they call it. So they always planned, they were unbeaten all tour. And you could really see that a lot of them were sort of inking their names in for test selection, particularly the front row in Mako Vinopolo, Jamie George and Ty Furlong. Then you're like, right, that back row, yeah, that looks pretty solid as well. Scrum half, Connor Murray, brilliant. Johnny Sexton, if Farrell was going to be injured, he would definitely step up there. And it looked like a, a starting test centre partnership in Teo and Davies as well. So it was looking like it was coming together really nicely. And that then led into, um, on the 20th of June, the Lions versus the Chiefs. So the midweek massive, uh, <laughs> as they've been officially known on different tours, and, you know, from this, the Lions so far haven't really lit up any attacking play whatsoever. But then in this game, oh, so one of the tries, the second try by Jack Nall, what a try. It was like uh, an overthrow at the line out in almost the Lions 22 from the Chiefs 
was gobbled up by Tipuric, who then fed um, Bigger, who got it out wide to Henshaw and Payne um, and Williams. And Liam Williams was breaking down the left-hand touchline and got it inside to um, Elliot Daly, well, further outside to Daly, who sh- just put the hammer down and showed a clean pair of heels to the to the Chiefs winger, um, who I think it was Tony Pulu. It might not have been, though, because I think he might have gone off injured early. And then that pass back inside at full tilt to Jared Payne to kind of keep the ball and the move going was exceptional. Quick recycling. Courtney Laws was, he he picked it up, looked like he was going to go left into heavy traffic, no support. Obviously identified that in his mind and then flung it out right, a really great pass out right. And then to Henderson as well. And Henderson's second row took it on the hoof and flung a brilliant left hand like bullet of a pass out to Nell who then just slipped inside a couple of defenders, big step, and then over for a, a almost full length of the field try, which was just absolutely something to behold. And if any New Zealand side had ever done that, the press would have been like, the platitudes would have been ridiculous. It would have been just praise coming out of their ears. But looking at some of the New Zealand press afterwards, it was like, oh, the Lions play this boring game. I think that only goes to show how much light is a testament to the the performance of the Lions in that game where they won it um, 34-6, that actually some of the Kiwi press are starting to sit up and go, oh, they're starting to gel a bit now. Looks like they're starting to play. Some of the players are coming into a bit more form. The game plan seems to be there again. It was a massive suffocating defense from them. Big forwards carrying around. And okay, yeah, you can say with the Chiefs lineup, they were missing a number of their like all backs, blacks players being so close to um to the first test. But at the same time, you're kind of like it's not a bad lineup either. Players in the second row like Dominic Bird, you've got Stephen Donald at fly half, who was like won them the World Cup with that final kick after being on holiday um, in 2011. You then also had like Sean Stevenson at fullback that people have been raving about. Tim Nanai Williams at outside centre who's been around and done it all. And it was just really impressive. And I was really pleased to see like now get two tries. And the first one was just through sheer work rate around like chasing the ball um, across the field and then like pick and going effectively through the middle and scoring it. That is what he's known to do at Exeter. And it just showed. And then his like nice link play with. Um, Liam Williams off a, off a loose kick from the Chiefs uh, for, for Williams to make the break and then feed inside to Jarrah Payne. Fantastic. Best game on tour for Liam Williams after he, he had a bit of an inauspicious start with the yellow card in one of the earlier t- earlier games, but he's really started to come into form with that. Again, another penalty try uh, for the Lions. Big forward pad just dominating them. Like the, the Chiefs just had no answers whatsoever, and you could see... There was a bit of niggle from someone like Liam. Uh, was it Liam Messam? No, I don't think it was. I think it was Mitchell Brown. Yeah, a bit. And actually, Liam Messam, when he came off the bench, um, trying to like put the lines off and trying to rile his own team into doing some, but it just wasn't going to happen. They were getting absolutely pummeled, is probably the only way to say it. Um, so it was super impressive. And I think off that game, we then basically came into a few days later the um the selection for the test team for the first test and well let's just say there are a number of players in there for the Lions which I was not expecting to kind of be making it um so just to run you through that test team we have in the front row Mako Vunapolo Jamie George of England Ty Furlong of Ireland 
In the second row, Alan Wynne-Jones and George Cruz, so of Wales and England respectively. A back row of Peter Omani, who's also captain, um, and Sean O'Brien of Ireland. Te Lupe Falatao of Wales. Uh, scrum half Conor Murray of Ireland. Owen Farrell of fly half. Elliot Daly on the wing. Ben Teo inside centre, all England. Jonathan Davis uh, from Wales, Anthony Watson on the other wing uh, from England, and Liam Williams from uh, Wales. And I was looking at this, I was like, geez, wow, okay, let's run through this. It was like nine Englishmen. And then on the bench, sorry, Ken Owens from Wales, Jack McGrath from Ireland, Carl Sinclair from England, Mara Toje from England, Sam Warburton and Reese Webb from Wales, Johnny Sexton from Ireland, and Lee Halfpenny from Wales. And I was like, okay, wow, that's... Um, Plays I wasn't expecting to be in there because they're involved against the Chiefs were Liam Williams and Elliot Daly. I was like, that's a tough turnaround. It's like a four-day turnaround, I think it is. So it was just like, okay, they're going to have to recover. And they've not really been involved with the Saturday side yet. How are they going to gel with those players? It's a bit of a risk. But on the Wales tour to New Zealand a couple of years ago, Liam Williams was, like, terrifying them from fullback. He was, like, making breaks. He w- was really showing his class in that. And if you listen to some of the earlier podcasts, you'll definitely hear me talk about in my line selection that he would certainly be in there for his ability. So impressive. Elliot Daly, I think part of his selection as well, not only is he an amazing ball player in that he's got gas, he's got great vision, he's got hands, a fantastic outside break. So he doesn't potentially, ha- if there's an injury in the centres, he can move into centre very easily because that's where he plays for Wasps. He has previously played at fullback as well. But he's also got that cannon of a left foot. So any penalty from New Zealand in their own half, he could really punish them and get the three points. And the weather is looking like it might be a bit wet, damp, slight drizzle in there. So penalties and taking those penalty kick opportunities from distance could be a defining factor in the game so I can see that really playing into his selection as well Owen Farrell recovered from his injury fantastic good to see him back um then Peter Marnie is captain yeah so I don't think anybody would have put a bet on this before the tour but I think um I did see and listen to a podcast and stuff where Jerry Guscott did say that he would have Omani in his starting lineup because this guy, I mean, odds on, like, so after the 2015 World Cup, he was out for pretty much, like, 15 months with a knee ligament injury. His first international back was against England, but that was only because Jamie Heaslip got injured in the warm-up to the game. Uh, and then Omani came on and played almost a man-of-the-match performance, and that got him selected onto the tour. And since then, he's just been growing and growing and growing in, in stature in that leadership group. And I think it's the first time since the 1930s that the tour captain hasn't been in the starting lineup for the first test. So Sam Warburton's that guy. He's on the bench, so he'll definitely be coming on, I imagine, looking to make a big impact. But Gatlin's made a big call here, and actually he's always said at the start of the tour, and same with Warburton, that if he's not fit, he's not going to pick him as a starting player because, you know, you need everyone firing to be able to beat the All Blacks at home, and especially in Eden Park, where they've not lost since 1994. So it's a daunting place to go. Um, but, you know, I've got a good feeling about it. I really do. And then if you look at the breakdown of the players, so like I think it was nine English, seven Welsh, some like six Irish and no Scots, I think, something like that, um, which is just shows like that actually those English guys have really been stepping up. And then if you look at it from clubs, so this includes, so this is for players who are going to be at the club from next season onwards. 
Saracens have like six players, I think. So they've got Liam Williams, they've got Owen Farrell, Mako Vunapola, Jamie George, George Cruz, and Maro Atoje. Uh, so if Atoje comes on and the other guys stay on, four of the type five are going to be from Saracens, which is unbelievable for a side to be so well represented. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, and a great to see Carl Sinclair on there as well. He's like demonstrated ability on this tour for when he's come on. He's made an impact in every game, big carrying, solid scrummaging, but then also acting as a first receiver and doing stuff out there as well. It has been very impressive. Uh, ben Teo, I'm really looking forward to seeing his matchup against Sonny Bill Williams. So these guys used to play in the NRL, so the Australian Rugby League. Um, with Teo playing for the South Sydney Rabbitohs and Sonny Bill playing for uh, the Roosters, the Sydney Roosters. And so they used to, in 2013-14 seasons, I think it was, and they used to come up against each other all the time. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing them renewing that partnership. I think Gatlin has said previously that he sees Teo as being almost one of the only players who can fully try and contain Sonny Bill. So it should be interesting. And then when we look at the New Zealand lineup. Um, so fullback Ben Smith, wings are Reiko Ioni and Israel Dag, centers Ryan Cotty and Sonny Bill Williams, fly half Bowden Barrett, scrum half Aaron Smith, um, front row Joe Moody, Cody Taylor, and Franks, second row Brody Retallick, uh, Sam Whitlock, back row Jerome Kano, Sam Kane, and Kieran Reed. So there's a lot of guys who've just come back from injury coming into that lineup. So Ryan Crossy, just back from a rib injury. Uh, you have Kieran Reed, just back from like a broken thumb. Jerome, Jerome Kino, just back from a like really dodgy knee. Retallick, just back from like a series of head concussions. No Dane Coles due to injury. So that's a big loss for them because he's really define how the game is played at hooker from going forwards then also on the bench Ardi Surveyor and like I can't believe he's on the bench he's so good Perinara's really been pushing TJ Perinara's really been pushing um Aaron Smith at the scrum half position most tries scored by a scrum half in a super uh, rugby season by TJ Perinara so that's a big threat uh Lynette Brown Anton Lynette Brown is on the bench whilst he started against Samoa and looked to have formed a really good partnership with Sonny Bill um in the center so that's a bit of a surprise no Julian Surveyor whatsoever in the squad so this Julian Surveyor is like park the bus if you I don't know if anybody's ever heard that from uh, Andrew Mertens in the last world cup where Surveyor over ran over people it was just like park the bus toot toot it's something like 40 tries in 50 games, and he's been dropped for Reiko Ioni, who, yes, he's looked impressive on tour when he was playing for the Blues against the Lions, but for the Maori against the Lions, he didn't do anything. It's his fourth um, cap first start, so it's a lot of pressure on the young guy, 20 years old. But um, I don't know. I, I get a feeling that, yes, they stuck like 12 tries on Samoa last week, but the Samoan team was like a patchwork team. It wasn't even their starting side. Is that really got the rust out of their system? I can't help but think it hasn't. Interesting selection of Dag on the wing. I think that's really there because he plays fullback as well. It's to combat all the kick the kicks that I can imagine from Connor Murray and Owen Farrell will be putting in, um, which are contested. He's great in the air. Same with Ben Smith. So I can really see this coming down to. So key matchups for me are going to be uh, George Cruz versus Brody Retallick. Like line out dominance round the park. He needs to cont- like 
Cruz doesn't carry a huge amount, but he tackles a lot and needs to contain Retallick. Whilst Cruz is also the line-out leader for the Lions, so he's going to be really essential to them disrupting the ball. Uh, Omahani versus Sam Kane, I think will be another one as well. Um, so Omahani will hopefully be keeping a lid on Sam Kane at the breakdown. And like I said, we've got, um, I think it's Jaco Paper is going to be the referee. He's been very even-handed so far on the tour where he's refereed previously. So we'll see how that goes at the same time. Uh, so it should be interesting. George versus Taylor. You can't help but feel George has got the edge on Taylor, a hooker there. Furlong against um, Joe Moody. So Moody is really impressive as a player. And I think he's up there as like one of the key players for them. But he didn't look too impressive um, for the Crusaders, got to be honest. Kieran Reid just back from his, Is he going to be up to scratch? How's his thumb going to fare? Don't know. Farrell versus Barrett. That's an obvious standout in terms of competition because Barrett's much more of an instinctive player where he runs it, he identifies gaps, good kicking game. Farrell's more about the game management and the control that he offers and puts pressure on, puts the team in the right position. So that we'll see how that goes. Um, Connor Murray versus Aaron Smith. Murray had the beating of him. Uh, when the All Blacks met uh, Ireland in Chicago recently and actually ran over him for his try to start to really turn the score on New Zealand. So that'll be definitely something to keep an eye on and see how that progresses and goes and stuff as well. And then the backs, like I've already said, Sonny Bill versus Benteo. Um, Anthony Watson, see what he can do. He needs to get up in the air and compete with those guys and show what he can do with the ball in hand. I think like the Lions and like Northern Hemisphere players anyway tend to get a pretty poor rap from New Zealanders because they don't watch any of the premiership. They're like, oh, it's forward-dominated, set-piece, turgid stuff. But you just need to watch some of these guys run and how they play, and you're going to be like, nah, it's, it's much more than that. The game has evolved uh, in the Northern Hemisphere dramatically from the days where it was like that. Um, and another contentious decision, I guess, for the Lions was, uh, potential contentious, was Alan Wynne-Jones in the second row instead of Maro Otoje. Toje's been very impressive on tour, but if you look at that front five, so Vunapola, George, Furlong, Cruz, and Win jones it's a really kind of green, young front, like front five, type five, really. Not a lot of caps, international experience in there. If you then stick a Toje in the mix as well, it's even less experience. So maybe Gatlin just felt that they needed that old wily head. And you've got to remember, Win jones has captained a series-winning Lions team at the same time. So that might have just edged his kind of thinking of like, we need someone who on the hoof has the experience to tell us how to modify our game, which Itoje might not. Um, Itoje also on this tour, you can tell how much he wants to play for the Lions. He's been so over like exuberant, but he's just given away a few too many penalties and early doors, the Lions are going to have to squeeze and suffocate New Zealand and just try and keep them and keep the score, like them scoreless and keep the crowd out of the game and then start squeezing pressure. And Itoje is a fantastic player to bring off that bench. The energy he'll bring and the power is going to be so destructive in comparison to, say, um, Scott Barrett for uh, for New Zealand. So it should be really interesting what sort of game plan are the Lions going to adopt. I kind of alluded it to it previously. It's going to be a suffocating defense, try and dominate the set piece, and I reckon what they'll try and do is they won't care if New Zealand have the ball for the first 20 minutes, provided they're stuck in their own 22. 
So they're just going to play territory, go get the ball, win at the line out, Farrell, boom, to the corner, New Zealand throw in, put the pressure on, squeeze them in coffin corner and see what they can kind of do from there because so far in the last three games, so the Crusaders averaged like four tries a game. They didn't score a try, I don't think. Then against the Maori, one try that was lucky. They squeezed them out of the game. Other than that was one penalty. Then the game against the Chiefs, they completely like shut them down and offered them nothing. So it's this defensive effort is integral to how the Lions want to play the game. They want to build that pressure. It's almost like a Saracens game. If you see Saracens rely on an excellent kick chase, a lot of pressure, dominating the set piece, and then building a scoreboard through penalties and defensive pressure before then releasing the, the attacking handle later on and blowing teams away in the second half. And I can definitely see the Lions doing a similar thing, especially when you've had coaches like Andy Farrell, who was at Saracens, Steve Borthwick, who was at Saracens. And like so Gatlin's going to trust these guys because they've done it at club, country level as well. And, yeah, it's going to be a hell of a game. So in terms of predictions, what do I reckon? It's, I really, my heart is like Lions all the way. They're going to do the first test. They're going to make history because they're going to be such big underdogs. I mean, there's nothing for them to lose. Whilst for the New Zealanders, there's so much that they're double world champions. This game, for some of them, because they only play them once every 12 years, is probably bigger than some of the, those World Cups. But it's a side where it's not for like silverware, it's just for bragging rights. So there's going to be a hell of a lot of pressure on those New Zealand players, probably more than they previously have had. And I, I don't know, will they crack, will they not? It's tough to say, especially if the game is tight and they've not been beaten in Eden Park since 1990, um, yeah, like 2000 and... No, 1994, I think it is. No, 2004. Sorry, one mind about 94. 2004. It's going to be like, geez, okay, here we go. Let's see what the hell is ratcheting up on it and cranking the pressure up. Um, and so, especially if the Lions execute their game plan with weather that's meant to be a bit rainy, a bit slippery, I, my heart is like, it's going to be Lions. It's going to be Lions all the way. But then I'm like, oh, it's New Zealand. You know, their win record is like 95%. Steve Hansen is such an unbelievable coach. He gets these guys in there. You look at the experience, you've got World Players of the Year like Kieran Reid, Brody Retallick, Bowden Barrett. You know, it's like unbelievable ability in that side. They only need one chance to get a try and convert it. They're just superb. But, you know, Ian McGeekin, the ultimate line... Um, talks about test match animals and you look in that line setup you're like okay front row ty furlong test match animal win jones test match animal i reckon george cruises as well same with omani same with o'brien same with murray and farrell and i reckon oteo is as well and i'm like wow that is a strong spine through that team a lot of experience there used to winning trophies used to being toughing it out and with especially something like they were predicting some like 20,000 Lions supporters in the crowd, that would be nearly half the crowd would be Lions supporters. That could almost be like a Lions home game. So that could sway it their way. So I'm going to go Lions by five to ten points for the first test. And then that'll set up the series amazingly. It'll, put, it'll crank the pressure onto the Kiwis. 
there there's talk of them being like oh if they lose this first test it'll be talked about in parliament there'll be questions about it and that'll only ratchet up the pressure even more which should make this such an unbelievable series so i'm hoping the lions are able to execute that they're they're still in it after the first 20 because then they'll start to put the pressure on into half time and with some of these guys do you i reckon teo just gets his hands free once and there's an inside support line from someone like daly or watson and they'll be over so um, and especially if the lions can play that territorial game and get the scrums in like the the kiwis 22 they'll start putting the pressure on building the pressure the line out so you have people jumping to compete like win jones cruz omani falatau is even underrated in the line out they'll be competing putting the pressure on the thrower who hasn't started a lot for new zealand so yeah come on lions you guys can do it i know you can so okay five to ten for the lions in the first test and then uh so really i guess the final thing to talk about is the england argentina second test um 35 25 to england to seal a two nil series win four tries so Ewell's great try at the start with an offload from Launchbury Launchbury was just devastating out that game he was so good uh then Pierce Francis so Mike Brown was superb like he was like Mike Brown from three years ago he was running catching but creating everything it was brilliant Danny Kerr good try and uh Will Collier first try for England so he's played some like 150 games to Harlequins without scoring a try but then two for England and he scored so great, great return record. But really, I mean, I'm looking at this. England were missing 30 players from injury and the Lions call-up for frontline selection. And yeah, they still had some serious experience in there and they really told in this game. So like Mike Brown, George Ford, Danny Kerr, Hartley, Launchbury and Robshaw. They really stepped up in this game and like led England through, especially with some of the younger players like Sam Underhill, Ewells and Williams and Genge and stuff like that. But then I got a question like Argentina used to be feared, absolutely feared down in Argentina. It used to be te- like teams would go there and get turned over irrespective of your reputation. But since they've been enrolled with the um, Jaguars in like the Super Rugby tournament, I can't help but feel their like performances have gone downhill. Yeah, their attacking play is amazing. They can like score off almost any phase, these stunning length of the field tries. But they just don't seem to be able to close the game out. And it's almost indicative of super rugby in that because there's no relegation or promotion, the focus is only on attack. It's not focused on like grinding out tight games, which the Northern Hemisphere of Eva Premiership is. So they just seem to flop over. It was like end to end to end and England just managed it better and like got them over the line. But I honestly think that like the Argentinian pack has gone downhill since they've been in Super Rugby. It's not as much of a weapon for them anymore. Their like their defensive bat play nah, has gone downhill. Has su- so my real question that I was thinking to myself is has Super Rugby been of benefit to Argentina? And I'm like, no, I I can't make an argument for it having been. I think it's actually been worse for them to have been involved in that tournament. Um, they would have been better like having their players scattered across the globe like they were before. And then being able to pick from anywhere. So, like, they haven't got Wan Im off in their side, despite the fact that he's one of the best wingers in the world because he's not playing in Argentina. That's a big loss to them. They didn't have Marcus Ayerza for a number of years before retirement because he played at Leicester. They're, yeah, it's just like, uh, I can't help but feel they've been hamstrung. 
And you kind of see the decline of other sides in Super Rugby as well. Like Australian teams are just completely underfunded, no grassroots funding. They're just going nowhere in Super Rugby either. So people like, Lord, how good the Super Rugby tournament is. My sort of question is, really, is it? I mean, most of the top sides are all from one country, New Zealand. The rest of them just really aren't that impressive. So, um, but great for England to kind of keep this win like going. I mean, I think it's one loss under Eddie Jones in his entire tenure today. He was saying there's now 60 odd players competing for a squad of 35 when the Autumn Internationals comes around, which is a great place to be in. But um, yeah, so that, okay, so in summary, Lions with their press defense and set piece dominance and territorial kicking game are going to win against the All Blacks. Uh, on Saturday uh, Saturday, by 5 to 10 points. That's the take-home from this podcast. Um, and so that's that's the end of uh, the episode. So I hope you guys all enjoy it. I'd love to hear your comments, feedback. Um, like If you like it, subscribe. Rated on iTunes and SoundCloud and all of that kind of stuff as well. Uh, until next time, that's it. That's my views from the line-out. I, I can't wait to talk about the first test in the next episode. It's going to be amazing. Right, that's it. Have a good one. Cheers.